Today on The Topping Show, Matt Walsh pulls mask off Fox News, Bud Light CEO breaks silence, Cartoon Network sneaks gender identity into cartoons, Yaling clarifies a drag event, actress makes an abortion cake, Supreme Court sides with Jack Daniels, Tesla is offering free charging as an incentive, Disney's CFO stands down, Virgin Galactic will start their commercial flights this month, Google to add to their fashion app, and Kroger, their stock just took a little bit of a dip. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that, that's a joke. If you're a business owner, an IT leader, you need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Tesla show throwing in free supercharging as an extra incentive to purchase their vehicles. Now, this is, of course, in their attempt to try to get even more of their sales as there's a little bit of a slowdown. They're actually now offering three free months of unlimited, quote unquote, supercharging. Now, like most automotive companies, you always come up with these, I guess it's moderately unique because it's an EV company, but I remember General Motors back in the day back when I was working in the industry, they would have big incentives Q4 during the you know Christmas sales, Thanksgiving sales, partially because fiscally speaking, Q4 is one of the most important times of the year for most publicly traded companies. It is when most of the companies make a majority of their profits, a fascinating phenomenon in and of itself we could discuss further at another time. But historically, Tesla really hasn't had to do much of that in the past because they were industry leading, premium brand, now that the competition is starting to catch up and close that delta between the technologies, Tesla's still far ahead in my opinion, although still not as good as a good old-fashioned three-pedal Porsche with a stick shift, as all cars should have. Unfortunately, that's pretty much the only supercar I can think of right now that's mass-produced that still has three pedals as a performance vehicle. Rest in peace, the Chevrolet Camaro. That will be now an EV performance sedan. But I digress. Now, Tesla's, they're seeing a little bit more competition, so he's having this little extra incentive. Personally, I don't think it's really going to push the needle too much in terms of the extra supercharge because a lot of people go to grocery stores and movie theaters, and you're getting to the point where there's a lot of those free stations where you just steal, I mean, borrow or commandeer electricity for free. So I don't know how this is really going to help out. Now, Tesla did clarify the fast charging perk goes up to three years for the pricier Model S and Model X vehicles if they're delivered by June 30th. So that's a lot more of a value add than you know the three months, which makes sense. The three months is for their more economical vehicle, a little bit lower price point. Obviously, you don't want to lose money if well, unless you're the government. But it'll be interesting to see how Elon navigates this new sea as there's more and more competition, and they got to start thinking outside the box. And Elon did say, you know, he admits it's going to decrease the profit, but he's comfortable trimming their margins in order to boost sales and production, which many traditional businesses have done for quite some time. There's a big advantage of economies of scale, which is a fancy way of saying if you produce 100 widgets versus 100,000, the price per component is much, much cheaper because you're working with your suppliers and there's traditional price, price breaks when you buy a massive quantity. It's a big win for all the parties involved. So it pretty much makes sense. and. Sounds like they're becoming more of a traditional automotive company and business in regard to their incentives and packages.
Now, other interesting business news, you have Disney's CFO stepping down. So CFO Christine McCarthy is going to step down and you have Kevin Lansbury stepping up as the interim CFO of Disney. Now, an article in the Variety noted that McCarthy had joined Disney as a treasurer in 2000 and was up to the CFO in 2015. She emerged as a enormously influential lieutenant to Bob Iger, and she also played a big role in the shakeup last November that ended Bob Chapek's involvement as he was the last CEO. You had Bob Iger, then you had Bob Chapek, now you're back to Bob Iger. A lot of Bobs, and maybe that's just annoying fans or confused people, but it is somewhat mildly, mildly entertaining that they are both Bob. And of course, Disney's been in a little bit of trouble with their movies crashing and burning to the ground again and again and again, and their content more and more reminiscing a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. Fun little home experiment. If you do that, every time you do a photocopy of a photocopy, the quality of the image just gets worse and worse and worse, which perhaps, a, I was going to say, I don't know if I could patent this metaphor, but a pretty accurate metaphor for the current state of Disney. Again, they've been around for 100 years. They have plenty of run... Um, Play a run rate, or rather, plenty of time before they drive off the cliff because they have the Disney vault with a lot of intellectual property and that'll make them money for decades. Now, they know that Kevin had been in the company for more than three decades and he was hand in toe working with Christine extra and he served her greatly. And he says that he's going to take on a position with extreme confidence during this transition. And even Bob Iger said, Yeah, he's. There's a vote of confidence in that regard. But it'll be interesting, why is this person stepping down? Is it because their financials are getting worse and worse and worse? And they gotta get maybe creative, but you have one of the largest companies having to shake up in their C-suite, that's pretty big news. Although perhaps more if you're a financial expert, I just know. I can read a profit and loss statement. That's, and maybe a couple more things, but I digress. Now, other interesting businesses, you have Virgin Galactic starting their commercial space flight, finally, this June. Now, this has taken, not three, not five, not 10, 19 years of delays because of accidents and tech challenges, which is yet another reason you don't see a lot of startups in the aerospace industry, because not only is it prohibitively expensive for upfront costs, but you're gonna have to bleed a lot of money, fiscally speaking, you're gonna lose a lot of money long-term as you're building it up from the ground up, going over all these problems and trying to hammer it out. Now, they specified that the first commercial flight will be taking place June 27th as well as June 30th, and it's going to take members of the, and I didn't mean to laugh, or I don't mean to, but the Italian Air Force National Research Council of Italy to the edge of space, which I've, I keep forgetting Italy has a space for Air Force or an army at all. They're really good at switching sides, historically speaking, which perhaps is a way to win the game if you just keep switching sides. But I digress, they make some good cars as long as you don't mind that they're all automatic and not really that much fun these days. Rest in peace, the three pedals. They will come back somehow, somewhere. Some would say they have a fiduciary responsibility, Ferrari being publicly traded, to make cars that are more profitable, more demanding, and that's what stick shifts are. People pay a premium for them because they're becoming rare and rarer. But I digress. Other interesting tech news in the business world, you have Google, they're gonna add fashion to their arsenal of apps and technological capabilities. Now, Google is gonna use generative AI to help shoppers pick out clothing. It's gonna be rolling out in the next couple of weeks and they're gonna be, Google Shopping will use the technology to let customers see how the clothes look on live models. Items, quote, try on, unquote, badge will be eligible and you know shoppers will be able to try on women's tops from 
Everlane, Loft, H&M, and Anthropology? Which, Anthropology, I thought that was like medicine for hippies. Or homeopathic. I, I, I recognize H&M. Again, fashion is not my strong suit. I try my clothing once every seven to eight years. Make it last. And they say, expect men's tops to be coming later in the launch of 2023, which perhaps is the biggest waste of technology innovation. I don't see a lot of men lining up to say, oh yeah, I wanna, how do I look with this uh, shirt on? How would I look? Let's, let's look at the computer. I mean, I actually would wonder how many men in committed relationships actually shop or if the wife just does that for, it's one of those weird things where I don't know men who look forward to shopping for clothes or to go out seeking that type of information. But maybe Google's trying to capture that 2% of men who would appreciate that app. Now, it'll also have extra things where you could change your diverse body types, ethnicities, skin tones, and hair types, utilizing technologies from Adobe, Amazon. Oh, sorry. Adobe, Amazon, and Walmart have also been experimenting with generative clothing modeling. Now, that makes perfect sense from a business perspective for Adobe. That's pretty much the most well-known Photoshop or editing company on the planet, Photoshopping the the office suite that everyone knows and uses and loves them for. So they're going to make a killing, fiscally speaking, with that. So it's a good idea on their end. Now, going on to Kroger. Kroger, they just had their stop dip quite a little bit. Now, the CFO, Rodney McCullough, told analysts that, quote, shoppers are increasingly pinching pennies as they contend with inflation and economic uncertainty, unquote. Now, historically speaking, during the pandemic, when the government shut down all the mom-pop shops and forced people to stay at home, their stock soared as more and more people went to that particular establishment to buy ingredients so they could actually buy their own and create their own food. And traditionally speaking, it was at a more economic price point than eating out. And during the pandemic, Kroger did so good, they were able to buy out one of the largest grocery chains in the United States, that would be Albertsons. And the valuation of that deal was about $24.6 billion. Which Albertsons, I think is more Midwest. I remember growing up, they didn't really, from my perspective, they didn't really advertise the name too much. They had a local store called Jewel Osco, uh, a little bit of a chain. But I remember back in the day they acquired them and the Albertsons would be a small, kind of like a little disclaimer, like, yeah, we own them kind of thing. Which makes sense, keep the brand alive for the people that actually like the brands. And that transaction is also currently undergoing a comprehensive antitrust review. So we'll see if it actually makes it through. Time shall tell. But yeah, gone are the days where that grocery store was just printing money, basically, because they were doing so well. Time shall, again, they're not, they're not bleeding too much money yet. I don't see it as a detriment. But it's interesting to see a couple of these stocks and these investors start to kind of wake up to the fact that times are changing. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have conservative commentator Matt Walsh taking the mask off of Fox News. Now, Matt Walsh is probably the most popular conservative commentator over at the Daily Wire. The Daily Wire is, I think, the fastest growing conservative media company that headquartered out of Nashville, Tennessee. I think they have about 270 employees, about a million paid subscribers as well for their Daily Wire Plus or DW Plus, which from a cultural and a media and even a business perspective is astonishingly successful since it is exceedingly difficult to build a media company because again, advertiser, advertising dollars are down year over year, year. There's more and more censorship. So for them to actually be successful is quite a business feat and a accomplishment in and of itself. Now, Matt Walsh is mainly known or mostly known for his latest documentary called What is a Woman where 
he went around the country and the world actually asking, you know, what is what is it? And it was very entertaining because a lot of people just couldn't, even a gender studies professor, which kind of furthers my idea of you know, how valuable are professors these days. Nevertheless, he recently did an investigation on Fox News. Now, Fox News used to be conservative for most of my life. They were they, they, they seem to be on conservative side where they would give an alternative, although a lot of people just call it Diet CNN. And I suspected that they were more left-leaning when there was a fast-growing rumor that the current chairman and the owner, Rupert Murdoch, after the Trump had lost the 2022 election, apparently Murdoch was exuberantly happy. And he told his colleagues like in the room, like, hey, we, we did it. And that was kind of the precipice. A lot of people starting to question, well, wait a minute, why are a lot of the really uh, more conservative talk uh, spokespeople like Matt Wallace, they're no longer appearing on the channel. They just got, they just fired Tucker Carlson, their most successful reporter in terms of more people tuned in to see his show than any of the others. Now, more recently, Matt Walsh did a little investigation where some employees gave him some, thankfully they were to share some information with him. And this pertains to a couple things. Now, there's a Fox News employee portal, which if you, if you don't work in corporate America or if you work at a smaller company, think of it as like a, face, a personal Facebook for your company. It's a little portal where you log in, you get all the things that you need to know as an employee. You got the employee trainings, the benefits, events for the company. So it's a portal just for employees to kind of keep you up to date with what's going on. There's all this provide you with all these trainings. And the first kind of interesting note was when you log in as a pride screen and as pride screensavers you could download apparently. And more recently, and I try to keep the language not as, too, uh, as crass on this channel, but it's certainly not child appropriate in terms of, you know, I guess cover ears if you have children that are listening. But Fox News actually had a segment where they encouraged employees to learn about glory holes during Pride Month. Now, I know what you're thinking. These are not glory holes in terms of old glory, the United States American flag where you plant it in the ground. No, quite the contrary is a cultural phenomenon where they cut out a hole apparently in a public bathroom for fornicating and other adultery activities. What could possibly go wrong? It's, I can't just... The, the amount of health issues to, that would merely baffle us the mind. Now, they that, so that was they're actually encouraging employees to learn about that. Now, it would be interesting to see the Fox News bathroom to see if they implemented it in practice. I wouldn't be surprised given the data that we're seeing. Now, they also encourage employees to donate to LGBT programs such as the Trevor program. Now, some people have criticized the Trevor program because it does connect youth with adults to talk specifically about sexual themes with kids as young as 13 being connected with adults. And there's even, there's some snippets where they talk, they, I'm trying to think of how to politely say this, they talk about a specific sexual position and the a pre-adult, I believe it's, I guess 13 is a pre is, is a teen, but that teen said to the adult, I want to try that. I can't conceivably think on any planet where that would be tasteful or appropriate in any way. You wouldn't do that with any sexual orientation. That's just, it's a phenomenon you're seeing. It's encouraged in one way. And it just kind of makes me reminisce of the days before we had the internet because there are a lot of downsides to the internet these days. 
Although there's great things like the topping like um, topping technology as well as the topping show that you can subscribe to. Now, that the other organizations that they encourage employees to donate to also give transition drugs to homeless people. Another interesting nonprofit I didn't know exist, and I think there there should be a little bit more scrutiny considering people who are um I think I've got a new politically correct term they invented. It was like house disenfranchised or there's a fancy funny term instead of homeless because homeless is now a pejorative term although it literally just describes their state of not having a home now given that one of the big issues of being homeless is the cause is being mental health related you would probably want to have more psycho psychological evaluations to get to the root of the problem as opposed to shoving drugs at the problem right off the bat but that's just my three cents it used to be two cents but that damn inflation just gets worse four-year high inflation and it's only going to get worse, unfortunately. Now, there it goes on with the Fox News portal and Play Portal. They also have Pride themes books or Pride themed books. I guess, yeah, they're themed for employee children. Another thing that, again, ten years ago, no one would have fathomed you would be giving sexually explicit books. And it also had podcasts as you just, and most egregious enough, it was not this podcast. Although nowadays it'd probably be the kiss of death for a lot of creators to have Fox News actually endorse you. Fox News is successfully becoming Bud Light in terms of pissing off people on the left, the right, and confusing the hell out of the people in the middle. Now, one of the podcasts that Fox News promulgated and suggested, that podcast actually suggests that double, double mastectomies are both, quote, medically necessary, unquote, and quote, a sign of strength, unquote. When it re- and they're specifying for transition reasons, not because someone has breast cancer, which is a big issue. I think every American or everyone should be behind in terms of it's definitely not a good thing. And there's a lot, that in and of itself is a mental physical challenge that unfortunately many, many people are going to be put through, but they're saying medically necessary and that's the big discrepancy. It's they're saying it's medically necessary, and yet for thousands of years, no one did this. And there's still no long-term studies on this on, on doing these things to children who cannot consent by the very definition. Now, you think that's bizarre in and of itself? It, it the rabbit hole just goes down further. Now, the company also encourages employees to attend Pride events. One, in fact, is hosted by the company at its New York headquarters June 23rd in partnership with Ben and Jerry's, which politically speaking, Ben Jerry's donates heavily to the left side of the political aisle. So not too surprised there. And in 2022, Fox News actually celebrated a family who transitioned their child. So a lot of this is coming to the light. I think more and more people are starting to realize Fox News is not conservative media. It's just diet CNN. And I, I suspect long-term their stock, their revenue is gonna crumble as people migrate to alternative medias and far superior media sources. But who knows, time shall tell. Now, other interesting business news, you have Cartoon Network starting to get even more political by sneaking gender identity and transition tra- uh, trans themes into kids shows. Which, remember back in the day, Cartoon Network used to just have cartoons about kids being kids? Like you had Dragon Ball Z, you had Dexter's Laboratory, and now you have 
shows talking about shopping off body parts for children. This is yet another good example to give your kids books and pretty much maybe not show them anything produced in the past 10, 15 years. I remember Hey Arnold used to be a good TV show. That was Nickelodeon, I know, it's a competitor of Cartoon Network. But even that show, infinitely better, actually showed you, I know these are rare words. Most Americans, you might have to use a dictionary these days. They use things like morals, values, lessons learned. I know foreign concepts beyond many can possibly comprehend. But shows like Aunt Arnold were great. They actually gave you some morals, values. They taught you about a lot of things. And my, 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 how far we have fallen. And I mean, it's one thing to have cartoons that are just brainless in terms, they just make you dumber. You don't actually learn any values. It's one thing to be completely moronic with your material. Like, oh yeah, it's just fast food for your brain, which you just, you don't get smarter. You don't learn anything, but it's getting the, it's getting even worse where now you're actually teaching things that are not appropriate for children. Now, the new show is going to be called, quote, We Baby Bears, unquote, which, because it's 2023, I have to clarify that this is actually the um, fuzzy animal bears, not bears in the sexual-themed type of bears, which, again, you wouldn't think, but given the subject matter, kind of had to clarify that. It is, in fact, a... It's not a person even dressed up as a bear, which is astonishing. Now, this show called We Baby Bears, which grammatic, grammatically sounds improper as well. Now, that show is going to target six-year-olds and introduce them to they, them pronouns, which is great because kids are really smart these days. They, it's not like they have issues with grammar or intelligence or education. It's, this won't confuse them at all. That's another issue. I don't know how many kids are, are just failing grammar school or I don't even know if they teach grammar these days because of these issues. Now, they're going to also have two gender neutral characters, a box and a parrot. Now, this is, I find this completely abhorrent. It is to have a, a, a non-binary box or a, non, a, a general neutral box on Cartoon Network, the home of the great Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which traditionally had a masculine box. He had facial hair. He was a man. In fact, that man's name will never be forgotten. The original box on Cartoon Network is Boxy Brown. Boxy Brown, rest in peace. We went to him a, a, a masculine, male, Boxy Brown, to now a general neutral box. The Amazon box might date this. Perhaps they might sponsor the show. Time shall surely tell. Now, the talking bear, which, again, bears don't talk, but this talking bear is going to introduce them to they, them pronouns, and they make exceptional good quiche, like the Spanish food. So I should sue, the, I, yeah, this, this offends me now. I, uh, the box is, is, the bear, wait, what? The bear is Hispanic now? I don't think Cuba has bears. Does Mexico? That doesn't make any sense. Spanish people are not boxes. That's, that's another moral of the story. But again, confusion, seems to be the goal because again this is going to confuse kids it'll have 
introduce parents to some sexual themes and conversations where, again, not appropriate for their age. So the good rule of thumb is if you have a VHS tape, it's probably safe to show your, like, a, what is it, good old, the Veggie Tales, which at the time you kind of thought they were kind of silly and ridiculous, but nowadays at least you know it's on a physical piece of media. Like, I remember it was cool because the VHS tape was actually colored. It wasn't a, a black VHS tape. The acting was a little subpar, but at least you know what you're getting, and there's no surprises. Like this, they claim there's going to be a little disclaimer, but it's Cartoon Network. It's supposed to just be kids' junk. Again, it's not going to make them smarter, but at least it was neutral. It wasn't pushing a political ideology. It wasn't trying to push them or groom them in say certain ways. It's just fascinating to see how far... Cartoon Network has fallen. So again, rule of thumb: the more the moral of the story is, give your kid a goddamn book so they read, they become smarter, better contributing members of society. There's a lot of great books out there, and one of the great values you can possibly buy for most books are under twenty bucks, I think. And it takes years for someone to make, and you can read it in probably a couple of days, depending on your reading speed. Great value. But I digress. Perhaps this should be in the business blunder. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting culture news: you have Yaling. They clarify their somewhat involvement with a drag show that had their name on the venue. Now, I waited a couple days to report on this, partially because uh, from a technology perspective, my IT company has worked with sporting teams and I know a little bit about the background of naming rights and stuff like that. And we had a situation in which recently you had a drag show, which of course there were also children there, which again, not appropriate, just like strip clubs. and. They had Yangling as a title sponsor. Their, their name is on the venue. And immediately I kind of thought this is probably a venue sponsorship, not an event sponsorship. Now, you see this, this is a very popular thing for concerts, football stadiums, baseball stadiums, what have you. And it's traditional agreement in which usually one, three, five year contracts or more, a manufacturer or a provider, or in this case, a beer company will say, hey, this is a cool concert stadium. We're gonna give you a X amount of dollars we put our logo on the stadium, and that way every event you have there is kind of de facto sponsored by us. We're sponsoring the venue. And it's a little disappointing to see a lot of people immediately attack Yaling, thinking that they'd chosen to get political, when if you look at their track record, they're trying to stay out of these electrically charged cultural issues. They just want to make beer. Again, one of the great longest family-owned beer companies in existence in the United States. And... They did finally clarify so within about a day they got back on the twitter and said hey this was in fact a venue partnership we give them a flat rate fee we sponsor the venue this is a specific event we did not specifically actually target this event and try to sponsor a specific event we're working with the venue so that our name is not associated with specific events which was refreshing and inspired me i don't know, to buy my first case of yaling beer so when I have folks over for the podcast, they actually have something to re- they have something a little bit more refreshing than usual to appreciate. And I think in terms of the cultural significance, you should always thank these companies and you vote with your dollar. I know a lot of folks who they don't want to get political on Twitter or, or LinkedIn. They're worried about their employer being prosecuting them. One of the best things you do is vote with your dollar. And I couldn't help but notice the last time, and again, em- empirical evidence, when I was at the Walmart recently, and again, this is Texas, 
the only place that there's a gap in the whole beer aisle, and again, those aisles are pretty darn big, the only gap where there was no product at all was the Yamling glass beer bottles. Everything else had full stock. Now, there was a couple of cans of the Yamling on the top shelf, but there's that big gap. And just seeing that visually is huge, huge for the customer base and prospective customers as more and more people start to realize, well, that's funny. Bud Light used to sell out like gangbusters. They were the number one selling beer in North America. Well, now, now no longer it's Modelo. But it is, going back to the cultural significance of Yaling, standing up for their beliefs, it's nice to see them, and I hope everyone rewards them with their business. As, again, making, taking a stand is rarer, becoming more and more rare as most men abdicate from responsibility and cower and bend the knee. To stand up for what you believe in is something that I can appreciate. And it's a great family-owned company. I think they're, again, I don't know, getting incentive from you buying their beer. But I think it's, there's some good people over there and they're worth fighting for. They're worth investing for. Now, other interesting cultural news on that very note. You had the Bud Light CEO speaks out. Almost like the groundhogs tipping up his head from the bush or some funny metaphor I can't possibly think at the moment. Let your imaginations run wild. Even easier when you don't have all the terrible cartoons burning into your brain. Reading books is much more, much better way to foster creativity in my three cents. Now, the CEO Brandon Whitworth says simply, we hear you. Which reminds me of the BP oil spill where South Park brilliantly made fun of the CEO where they had that issue where obviously the big oil ruptured. Um, and the CEO came on TV and they paid for this commercial where they pretend to be like, I'm sorry. And it's like a cliche tilt of the head, 13 degrees, something like that, which marketing is a challenging thing. It is a fascinating Rubik's cube, always turning, always evolving. But yeah, they were immediately mocked beyond all belief for that. And it didn't come off as authentic, it fell flat on its face. You're going to see some parallels with this. Now, he said, we hear you. Which is fascinating because I thought he was blind and deaf, which is not a detriment on the blind and deaf community, given the historicals of having two months of declining sales week after week after week and being ratioed on social media with more of the responses being critiquing of the company than the actual statements they put out. For him not to acknowledge that, I can only assume he was uh, fiscally enabled or disabled to not get that data. But apparently he could hear us. News to me. Now, he goes on to elaborate saying, we are a beer company and beer is for everyone. Well, perhaps, unquote, perhaps not appropriate to say since your spokesperson has an average age of 15 years old. Again, that was, personally, that was what I saw as the biggest issue because for decades they have sponsored LGBT events and organizations. That, that wasn't, in my opinion, the controversial pivot point when it came to Bud Light Boycott. It was hiring a spokesperson who's, again, has an audience of children. And again, children cannot buy beer. So he says it's for everyone. Well, maybe he does mean that, actually. Now, also a friendly reminder, since that incident with that spokesperson April 1st, they've lost $35 billion in stock market valuation. This is the business blunder of the century. People will be talking about this in business schools and finance classes for eons. This is worse than New Coke, and at the time, that was a huge revolution in the marketing and the beverage community. Which, now I say beverage community, it does sound kind of hilarious that there's like a club of buttoned-up guys talking about beverage. But, but I digress. Now, Whitworth, going back to the CEO of Anheuser-Busch, 
which owns Bud Light, Whitworth announced, quote, three important actions to move the company forward, including, quote, investing to protect the jobs of our frontline employees, unquote, and, quote, providing financial assistance to our independent wholesalers to help support their employees, unquote. Third, to all our valued customers, we hear you, our summer advertising launches next week, and you can look forward to Bud Light reinforcing what you've always loved about our brand that is easy to drink and enjoy, unquote. Fact check. It's piss water. It's not easy to drink. It, usually, it causes probably three people a year die from drinking Bud Light because they choke on this abhorrent taste. No one's fact checked me yet, but it might be true. It sounds true. Kidding, obviously. Well, not obviously. You have to clarify these days. But you're starting to see this in advertising. They care about their frontline employees. That was not the issue. They are attempting to use emotionally manipulative persuasion in their advertising to say, don't you care about Johnny? Johnny works eight hours a day, which that's a bad example. That's kind of pathetic. If I, I work 105 hours a week, eight hours is nothing, but I digress. Johnny works eight hours a day for Bud Light. He's an independent driver for Bud Light. Don't hurt Johnny. The controversy is not with Johnny. We all, I've only, I've yet to see a big backlash of people verbally altercating with Bud Light delivery drivers. Thankfully, I think most people understand their third-party logistics companies, their third-party distributors. A lot of them are great family-owned businesses. The qualms are not with them. We agree. They didn't do anything. They're just delivering your product is a high praise to call it a product. It's Bud Light. But they're an independent company. Everyone knows that. We're not we're not blaming them. But we're also, those people are not going to support them. Because again, they are supporting you. And they, again, are not addressing the issue of targeting children with advertising Bud Light to them. And some might argue there's so little alcohol, it's safe for children to drink. Some might argue. But it is not morally right to do that. And again, all this just comes off as inauthentic. So the first point is, as the British might say, bullocks. Frontline employees. Yes, we understand. Those aren't your people. Secondly, they're saying providing financial assistance to independent wholesalers to help keep them with their employees. Now, they gave them a couple bonuses of, I believe, a couple of $500 or something like that, which unfortunately for a lot, I, to me, the $500 is a lot of money. I, I understand that. But for a lot of these folks who have families to support, that one-time payment of $500 isn't going to help them at all. They're going to find new products to distribute, perhaps Yaling beer, as Yaling has started to increase their sales, both geographically and top line. For most of my lifetime, I was more in the Midwest growing up. We didn't see a lot of that on the shelves. I, I didn't know personally it was a big brand until the past couple of years when I moved further south and I started to see it at local grocery stores. It kind of, kind of got me thinking because just from a marketing perspective, I'm fascinated by who owns what. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, probably InBev, who owns that? I'm like, family owned that? That's awesome. That's a rare achievement in and of itself. A huge achievement, I would say, from a business and a family perspective. And then the third point, we're going to get back to doing what you love. So I guess they're going to pretend to sponsor country music events and footballs, I guess. But again, it all just comes off as inauthentic, almost comical. I'm still waiting. The, the, amount, of, the amount of comedic material 
that has resulted from this is almost like charity to the com comedy community. You've given them so much material. They're going to be thankful for many, many years, like presidents, both on the left and the right. It's almost like a gift, the amount of material or the amount of things they do that inspires comedic parodies. But I digress. This, this CEO just, again, they're not addressing the issue head on. They're just, as I like to, my, one of my favorite phrases lately is they're just abdicating responsibility. And time shall tell to see, again, if they're able to make it up in the long term or if the other brands of InBev, which I believe there's still 51 brands left after they sold one brand back to the founders, is that enough as well as global sales to keep the company long-term profitable? Probably. My, my personal suspicion is how long will the specific Bud Light brand be able to stay afloat as the sales of that specific product line decrease year, well, I guess month after month. It might become year after year. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting, well, more accurately disturbing cultural news, you have an actress making an abortion cake. Yeah. Now, again, for most of my lifetime, I remember back in the day, you know, growing up, I remember the advertising around the controversial issue because, again, it's a very polarizing and it became a political tool for people on the left and the right, which is partially my suspicion of why you'll never have a definitive answer in the United States in terms of um, legal versus illegal because there's profit on both sides of the political aisle where they'll campaign and say, hey, if you vote for me, I'll, I'll enshrine your right for an abortion to nine months. Or someone else might say, if you vote for me, I'll get rid of it completely. There are only a handful of politicians I truly believe that they have an authentic moral statement and moral code that drives them to focus on that, that issue, which has become a political issue. But I digress. Now, in terms of the marketing, the framing of the issue, when I was growing up, it was promised. And again, this is more... If you look at political affiliations, Democrats are, they are the ones who believe in that and uh, in abortion. And I was always told, oh no, we, we just want it to be safe, legal, and rare. It is, you shouldn't be proud, it's, it's selective, just a little bit. And again, this goes to show you that the slippery slope is no longer, it's never, it's not a theory. It is a proven, I don't know if, it's, I don't know if the word trend is the right word for it, the slippery slope phenomenon, but I have yet to find a single instance where name your cultural or business or philosophical ideal or topic, once it goes down the slope, it just keeps snowballing. Now, again, it used to be safe, legal, rare. That was what we were told. And now it's just safe. Well, and in some states, legal. It was kind of interesting and moderately entertaining to see people freaking out when the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade because again, uneducated voters, there's a lot of them, people are like, oh no, it's gonna be it's gonna be, it's gonna be completely, completely banned. All the law did, and I, I almost have to spell it out still, it gave the power back to the states so that people voting in those states, living in those states, can pass the laws they believe in and they either restrict the act or if you're like Minnesota, you can have it up to nine months, which I don't know how anyone, and then there's also post. So there are actually people who, politicians who voted, if there's a failed abortion where the baby actually lives, they still murder it. I don't know. In terms of my thoughts on a specific issue, I don't know how, I don't know how you wouldn't be okay with saying that baby could go up for adoption. Could, could, it's there. It's on the operating table. It happened. 
even if you don't want to just there's a there are thousands of people who would love to have the opportunity to be a parent and maybe they can't because of biological reasons or they have some trauma where they can't physically do it but it's one of those things where a lot of people really appreciate that opportunity but these politicians and people vote to terminate that child and i say child because it's obviously been it's there in those instances now this is someone who goes by the name of Frenchy the Stallion. Now, this person is already, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say moronic because this person is not an animal. Um, I don't know if they're French. They, they, she might be. And the, that's just something that, that assholes use to sound smart. The, you mean the. I know some people want to sound smart and fancy by saying the, and there's probably two or three grammatical in, instances where it's correct, but yeah. This person's already, already uphill ballot Frenchy, but they they look American. Now this person called Frenchy the Stallion, which this person says, I got this abortion cake for a friend because we celebrate all milestones over here. And if you don't like it, I don't care. A milestone? Who the hell think that's a? I can't comprehend who would think that's a accomplishment or a milestone in your life. Even if you're, even if you're a political, political affiliation or your philosophy is pro-choice, why would that be something to celebrate? I don't under, I don't understand perspective at all. And I've, I've read and researched both sides thoroughly, and I enjoy, I greatly enjoy the political debate and philosophical, different philosophies that go back and forth. I'll never understand someone who is proud of that act. I mean, milestones are supposed to be great achievements in your life getting married, graduating from school, earning a special vocation or a special skill set that a lot of people don't have, maybe starting a business, hitting a revenue or a sales mark, or having having a kid. That's a big milestone. That, that's something parents wish for and pray for and, and try for. But no, this person is saying that it's literally something that they celebrate. And the cake, which again, the cake actually has a woman, and it's a, a meme, as the, a, a, a meme, as some might call it. But it's a lady literally throwing a baby into like a basketball hoop or something. Now, not only is that distasteful in terms of there's probably enough sugar in that in that cake to give you diabetes and kill you. Well, maybe not kill you, but it's also distasteful because again, why celebrate that? It's ridiculous, and I think this person knows they messed up because. Culturally speaking, they probably thought they were going to have a whole bunch of people saying, hooray, good for you, which there are many people who believe that, but they were very much ratioed on the Twitter and they actually locked their Twitter. So I tried to do a little bit more research to learn about this individual to see if this is an outlier behavior, if they've just been a longtime sociopath or something. And now if you click on this person's Twitter, it's locked and it says, you can't see the post unless you are a quote, quote, approved follower which sounds exclusive but this person only has 3,759 followers although free plug reach me at nick topping n-i-c t-o-p-p-i-n-g on the twitter to hear more about the podcast and other fascinating things that i go about let's let's try to be here we have there's i can't conceive of a world where I can't just get one more follower, and I think we can together. And I appreciate every one of you tuning in and taking the time to listen and follow me. But 
you know, they always say sunlight is the best disinfectant, which is why I try to do my research to learn more about her. Although sunlight also burns witches and they melt witches if the Wizard of Oz is any parable for life or an accurate prescription. So perhaps that's why she locked her account because she can't stand any sunlight to actually give you more illumination into what or who she is. And it just shows the cultural decay of America and globally where I also read on the TikTok because of this incident, it is trending as people are saying, yeetus, the fetus. Now, yeet is a cultural phenomenon in which I guess it means to throw something. So yeetus, although it actually sounds like a really crappy, really sad, crappy Harry Potter spell, which, yeah, that's not good either. But I don't know, a lot of these people, it is a big movement. Pun moderately intended when you look at who's pushing these ideals about abortion cakes. They're quite big. But from a culture perspective, it is nice to see a little pushback where I think more and more people are realizing it's not appropriate to celebrate that act. I was told, again, when the marketing material when I was a kid, that it was an extremely difficult decision and it should never be taken lightly. And most many people, I believe, only think it's appropriate in the case of the mother's life is being threatened. But it's interesting to see the culture maybe shift a little bit where people are starting to wonder, oh, is, is it really appropriate to celebrate? Thankfully, I think more and more people are waking up to the fact that, no, you should never celebrate this act. But that's just my three cents. Maybe four cents. Inflation's getting pretty bad. But unfortunately, I'm not old enough to run for president. Time shall tell to see who fixes it. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Ron DeSantis blocking the direct sale of cars to citizens in Florida. However, not Tesla. And in fact, Rivian, Lucid, and any automaker without a prior dealership agreement in Florida are exempt from the new law. Now, this new law that the Florida Senate successfully passed was Bill 637, which again, from a marketing perspective, Government gets an F. At least put like one or two like names or words to it so people can recognize it. Because again, 637 sounds pretty uninspiring. At least you could have made the bill number something to do with a car, like a Hemi. But I digress. I know it's probably just numerical and it goes higher with time. And Ron DeSantis subsequently signed the bill into law. Now, it's one of those instances where dealership agreements are pretty, it's a pretty litigious situation. And most states love automotive dealerships. It's not because they have an altruistic relationship where they just love each other because they love each other. It's because, fiscally speaking, it's one of the most important things for your state. Because, at least back when I lived in Iowa, it was the number one revenue source from the state. The single greatest line item on the state's budget was sales taxes from vehicles. It's a huge fiscal thing for these states. And a lot of the dealerships will also argue that they provide jobs, support communities, and they're great ways to support mom and pop shops. Although that argument starts to go away as you see more and more parent companies purchase multiple dealerships throughout the United States. That trend has only especially gotten increased throughout COVID and throughout the price gouging as more and more cars is being sold for above list price. In fact, on a disgusting note, even more, oh, not as disgusting as the previous segment we talked about, there's dealerships trying to sell the Honda Civic Type R for $65,000. It's a Honda Civic. 
Again, I love my little Honda Civic Si, stick shift, three pedal for life, great a great consumer value at the price recommended by the manufacturer. But to ask 65 grand for a Honda Civic, I know it's the Type R, so it's the best. It's got all the engineering for the racetrack. For that price, just gonna use Porsche. Or use Corvette with a stick shift, as Corvettes used to all have that option back in the good old days for the C7 and before. But I digress. These dealerships make huge amounts of money for the states. And it makes sense for him to make the exemption. A lot of people are saying, well, why make an exemption for Tesla? That would basically make it so Teslas would not be sold in the state because Elon, I don't think, would allow them to have a dealership because it goes against the whole philosophy of the company. And it also goes against the whole trend of the industry. You're seeing other automotive brands, including Mercedes, where they have dealerships, but the dealerships are more of a experience center. And they actually call them agents, where the dealership employees, the sales reps, they get a flat rate commission. So they don't increase the cost of the vehicle 2x or three times what the MSRP is, as you're seeing people stupidly pay for the new Corvette, which isn't even a stick shift. It's automatic. It was controversial enough for the engine to be put in the rear. But that'd be automatic. That I died a little inside that day. Rest in peace, the true Corvette. But I digress. A lot of states get a lot of money from these automotive dealerships. And if the dealerships are, again, they're incentivizing the politicians, not just, not just with lobbying, but they're helping the state out, fiscally speaking. I'm not too surprised he did this for the incumbent automotive companies that are already established with all those dealerships. I think we're going to see the big trend with, there's not going to be new dealerships set up, I don't think. You're going to see, in terms of the investments, the automotive companies are going to cap the number of dealerships they have now. And you've seen Ford actually decrease the number of dealerships as they also increase the qualifications to be a dealership with some, I believe Cadillac actually forcing or careersing automotive dealerships to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars to be EV qualified so they can sell those EV vehicles, which they do take more technology, but it's also prohibitively expensive for the companies. So time shall tell to see how this progresses, but in terms of a political statement, I don't think people don't really care too much in terms of the incumbent solution is already there or the incumbent situation with the dealerships are already there. And I don't think it's going to be a big divisive issue or a big, it's not going to hurt his odds of becoming president, which again, are, I don't think it's the, he has the best odds. He's running, of course, now, but time shall tell to see how this plans out or plays out. Now, other interesting political news, you have the United States Supreme Court taking on the case of Jack Daniels versus a shitty toy company. Now, this is specifically the case of Jack Daniels Properties, Inc. versus VIP Properties, LLC. Or sorry, VIP Products, LLC. Which I can only assume is for VIPs only. I couldn't afford it, probably. Now, VIP Products is a Arizona-based manufacturer and seller of new toy brands called Bad Spangles Toy since 2014. Now, part of the, it's for dog toys. And the company's Silly Squeakers line of chew toys that mimic liquor bottles, wine, as well as soda companies. They have something called Mountain Drool, which is a parody of Mountain Dew. They also have Heineken Sniffin instead of Heineken. So that's a parody of Heineken. Now, Jack Daniels and... A lot of these companies are building brands. They're not just, I know it's cliche to say, but they are selling their liquids as well. 
But all these companies make a lot of money off of merchandising. Think of Harley-Davidson. A t-shirt of Harley-Davidson is minimum like 50 bucks. Very protective of their intellectual property. That's why you can charge a premium. You're not going to see those, those, those shirts from Harley at the dollar store. Now, this toy company came out with a bottle that, that mimicked the Jack Daniels iconic curves of the bottle and their designs. Now, specifically, the toy brand also had Instead of the old seven brand, which is the original, and it says, you know, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, the toy, the parody said old number two and on your Tennessee carpet, which that is empirically pretty funny and cute. Now, the original bottle also notes 40% alcohol by volume, which is disappointing because guess what? It used to be a lot higher back in the day. Another, t another topic for another time, perhaps. But the parody one features a dog face and it says... 43% poo by volume and 100% smelly. Now, the packaging of the toy also re retailed for around $20. It did have on small print on the product. It said this product, quote, this product is not affiliated with Jack Daniel Distillery, unquote. Now, part of me kind of suspects that's also one way to ignite the fire where you're specifically admitting that you're pairing that parody of that specific iconic whiskey brand. You can't really make the argument where it's just generic whiskey if you're making so many direct references to the product. Now, at the center of the case is the Layam Act, uh, Layam Act, L-A-N-H-A-M, and the country's core federal federal trademark law. It prohibits using a trademark in a way that is likely to cause confusion as to the origin, sponsorship, or approval of the goods. Now, a lower court ruled that the parody was accurate and they could continue selling. Supreme Court, which again, kind of shows the, par kind of shows the importance of the priorities in the United States right now. With everything going on, we're talking about dog toys. Really? But okay, I know it does have some business significance, so gain my interest. Now, it's one of those things where I wholeheartedly agree with the Supreme Court decision in terms of Jack Daniels, in this case, they should have the business opportunity to make their own dog toy with their own intellectual property that they've invested marketing dollars for decades upon decades. And this other company was profiting off of it by making this parody. And again, it was pretty bluntly making fun of the original product. But it is interesting to see dog toys made the news today. But... Time shall tell to see if Jack Daniels actually makes an original product, which here's a bit. I mean, the business model has already been proven. People are brought, people are buying a squeaky toy. If I was Jack Daniels, I'd definitely make a real one now. It's just, I don't know. We'll see if they actually do, though. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Taco Bell being hit by an $85,000 fine. Now, Taco Bell is a, is a subsidiary of Yum! Brands, which is a company which owns KFC, Pizza Hut, as well as Taco Bell. And the company has been ordered to pay fine 85k for credit for gift card violations. So this specifically, Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascone announced a decision in a statement Thursday, last Thursday, saying that the fast food giant was accused of refusing to honor gift cards with a value of less than ten dollars. So let me get this straight: the city of Los Angeles will not prosecute the theft of any. Pretty much, they made it a misdemeanor. They don't really don't prosecute theft if it's under $950. They put criminals back on the streets. Their cities are literally burning. And they they decided a good use of their public 
resources is to go after Taco Bell for gift card violations. That's the priority of California and Los Angeles at the moment, as people are fleeing the states as it's becoming more and more dangerous for businesses and people. Shows their priorities if this is what they're putting energy and resources into. But I digress just a bit. Now, the complaint filed for the district attorney offices in Los Angeles, Sonoma, and Venture counties alleged that Taco Bell broke California law, which entitles customers to cash out gift cards worth $10 or less if they choose not to use the remaining balance. That is a ridiculous law that is going to cost those companies a lot of money. And again, it kind of goes against the terms and conditions of when you buy a gift card, you're buying a credit to their store. Yeah, this is going to cause those companies to lose a lot of money. Gift cards are a phenomenon in business where people will purchase the product. The amount of people actually execute or rather they go through with using it is very little. So traditionally speaking, it was a very profitable thing for a lot of retailers, a lot of stores, because more often than not, people aren't claiming the gift card. They just buy it and then sometimes they use it. But they never quite use the full amount because it's not a number or they don't want to use their own money. It's a fascinating topic in and of itself. But California, again, with these laws that always hurt businesses, I, I've yet to find a single law. And it's one of the things where California, historically speaking, they have some of the most beautiful national parks on the planet. And if it wasn't for the politics, it'd probably be a great place to live. I had the privilege back in the day before there's exponentially more crime and drug abuse, where I actually went there for my IT job to learn some trainings for some new technologies. And I had a great time. Thankfully, it was on someone else's dime so I can afford to pay $60 for a plate of vegetable foods. But it's very quite beautiful at the time. Although you're not allowed to defend yourself. That's not talk for another day. But Taco Bell, they went on to admit that no, they admitted no fault. And part of the settlement, the company agreed to pay $45,000 in penalties, $35,000 in investigation fees, and $10,000 to go towards the California Consumer Protection Prosecution Trust Fund. Which, that's just got to be thrown in someone else's pocket because... One of those things where corruption is pretty rampant. And how many acronyms? I'm surprised I didn't probably say there's an acronym for that. The the CCPPTF, the California Consumer Protection Prosecution Trust Fund. Say that 12 times. Jeez Louise. And again, at a time where businesses are leaving in droves and they're struggling just to make, just to break even in that state. And as again, crime, theft, vandalism is throughout the roof. For them to have to pay a fine off of, on top of all that. Now, some might think the business blunder is having this issue. I would say the business blunder is a few things. One, they probably should have fought that law when it was being talked about in terms of having a law that makes people cash out. Again, and, and also, how many stores have cash these days? I, in terms of the free market and having more options for consumers, I think you should always have cash on hand for consumers because cash is less controlled in terms of banks just can't take away your ability to spend it overnight, which they can with your bank account. But to also have locations in places where you're making less and less money, we'll see if they're the newest store to leave. Time shall tell though. Time shall tell. I want to take you, take the, I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It really helps me out. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Also share with your friends. Each one of those things greatly helps the channel grow and develop. And the more we can build the channel, the more we can reinvest back in the channel with exceptional content and technologies, maybe have some picture in picture someday. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.